I think the traditional way of running businesses is to focus on the deficits. So in performance reviews or in development discussions, it's telling people what they need to evolve and grow and develop. If you flip that and you spend 90% of the conversation talking about what is it that you love to do and how do we get you doing more of that? Welcome to episode seven of the Chief Medichicks podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Scriven. I'm the founder of Chief Medichicks, a business I launched in late 2022 after a long career as an executive in business, marketing and branding, and most recently as the CEO of Zenith Media. Chief Medichicks is a community and a movement designed to level the playing field for women in business, leadership and technology. Our mission is to unlock and unleash the power of women by upskilling them in Web3 and AI technologies through education and training and providing them with the tools and knowledge they need to thrive in the digital age. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, Chief Metachicks offers a wealth of resources and inspiration to help you develop and scale your business initiatives and leadership skills. And this podcast aims to bring inspiration and insight to our listeners as we delve into the stories and journeys of female founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders. We will share their highs and lows, trials and tribulations, key learnings, and pivotal moments. To get us underway, today I'm going to be interviewing Rachel Powell. Rachel is the Chief Customer Officer of Zero. She is an incredible leader, warm, empathetic, and incredibly successful. She's loved by everybody that I've met that knows her, and she's coming to the end of eight amazing years of growth and success at Zero. And I have the pleasure of interviewing her as she closes one chapter and opens the next one. This interview covers a number of important topics, including the attributes of successful leadership, hiring staff on values alignment in order to build culture, growth and success, engaging employees by focusing on their strengths, embracing a curious mindset, being agile, dealing with setbacks and learning from failures and embracing change. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Rachel Powell. And welcome to the Chief Metachicks podcast. And today I have with me Rachel Powell from Zero. Rachel, welcome. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Very well. Lovely to have you on the podcast today. So, um, Rachel, you've been at Zero for almost eight years now and you're embarking on quite a significant change. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of your career to date and what's next for you? Oh, yeah, that's a big question. So yes, I've been very fortunate. This has been quite the rocket ship to um, to jump onto. So um, I'll just tell you about the Zero's part and then I can give you a brief history of my tenure before Zero. But when I met Rod Drury, the founder of Zero, um, about eight years ago, I um, he said that he was looking for a chief people officer, but somebody who had a marketing background to be his head of people. He said, we've got plenty of HR people around the business in all the different regions, but we're a very fast growing digital technology company. And I need somebody that can help me um, codify and mobilize the strategy through a very fast growing workforce globally. And I think the best um, way to do that is to find somebody who understands strategy, understands marketing and understands people. And at the time I was doing a master's in positive psychology, I'd spent, you know, the bulk of my career at, um, I had 12 years at IBM and a lot of that was in channel development and in um, marketing and strategy. And previous to that, I actually started my career as an accountant in telecommunications. So this is an accounting software company. So it was like, you 
are exactly you know what it's this is a you know example of i suppose if you can think more broadly about yeah. the skills that you need then you can think outside the box and rod's always been the master at doing this like looking at what are the skills and then how do i bring that to a four so um it was it was an interesting interview process and i met the board and the chairman and and um rod and some other execs and and at that time, zero was known, but not nearly as widely as it is now. And I was also talking to two other companies, big, um, big names in, in the Australian ASX space that were more traditional to my background, like um, one was a marketing role, one was a strategy role. And I thought, no, this one actually excites me because I can put in place all of the post-psych interventions that I've been studying in the masters and actually cultivate and create something with a founder that's going to be enduring for its success and scale as it grows. So I jumped on board and pretty quickly it became apparent that, you know, if we had 50,000 accountants and bookkeepers that were an extension of our organisation that were helping support the millions of small businesses across the globe. So I said to Rob, Rod, you know, we've got, we've now cultivated this amazing culture and we've got, you know, really good values and we have um, policies and, and, you know, not, not, you know, strict policies, but we knew what we were looking for when we were recruiting people. Mm. So we knew how to bring people in that actually felt an affinity with small business and wanted to be here. And it really cultivated this passion and this um, contagion for for people doing the best work of their lives. And I said to Rod, we have the opportunity to actually extrapolate that out to the 50,000 accountants and bookkeepers if we treat them like an extension of zero rather than a service provider to us or a channel to us. Mm. Um, and so he said, great, you can take on customer support and customer experience then. <laughs> so I took on people and then CX. And then I said to him, look, the platform for me to actually um, communicate this human ripple effect that we've effectively cultivated is marketing. So he said, great, you can take on marketing. <laughs> and then um, and then I split marketing and comms because in, in some of the... Um, the regions where we were quite embryonic, I knew we needed to um, earn a lot more of our media than buy a lot more of our yeah. media because we didn't have the same sort of deep pockets as some of our competitors. So I deliberately split, split out marketing and comms. And then, um, yeah, fast forward about um, three years into my journey here, the eight years, and I helped manage the transition of founder CEO to Steve Vamos who was the next CEO that we brought in. And Steve said to me, um, I want you to now do what you've done with marketing and comms and CX globally with sales. And wow. so then I took on global sales and split that into digital and and channel sales, um, working with our accountants and bookkeepers. And then I took on the regions and gave up the um, the people, the chief people officer reins to somebody that I'd brought in and, and helped groom. Um, things, you know, within a fast-growing company like Zero, you've always got to think about succession planning. So that was something I yeah. constantly thought about as I started to get more on the custom side and and we um, put a lot of in place on the people side. So I handed those reins off and then became the chief customer officer about five years ago. So looking after everything end-to-end -end from brand, you know, really awareness, interest, desire, um, you know, procurement and then customer support and education. 
What an incredible, incredible journey. Knowing you as I do, it doesn't surprise me that you've just gone from strength to strength. But, um, you know, every person I come across that has met you raves about you. That's very cool. Um, it, and it's an incredible trait, I think, as a leader to really rally the troops behind you and have everyone speak so highly of you. And that's, you know, connections that you've sent me to talk, you know, the very first thing they say is, oh, I love Rachel, to your staff who absolutely adore you. It's such an incredible trait as a leader because sometimes, particularly women leaders, feel like they need to be strong and commanding and you do it in such a nurturing and lovely, connecting way. How has that come about for you? Is that just your personality, your traits, or is there certain things that you've decided or learnt in your career journey to to allow you to lead that way? I think both, Nikki, is what I would say, and it hasn't, like if I'm honest, it hasn't always been an easy right I think it's getting easier for women but if I go back and I think about my IBM days there weren't a lot of senior female leaders that I looked up to and thought I want to be like you yeah (coughs) excuse me there is um there's a there's a handful I could name a couple that that did mentor me and that I did sort of gravitate towards but there are a lot of people that I felt became chameleons in that very male-dominated world Mm. And I saw behaviours and traits that I didn't respect and to the point where I thought if that's what you've got to do to be at that level, then I'm out. Yeah. And um, I suppose that's why I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity that I've had here because I never felt that I had to be anyone but who I was. Mm. And um, I kindness is the most important value and, you know, we have family values at home and, you know, courage and kindness are the two, two, two at the top of the list. And I think courage is important, particularly being a female. And I try and teach my daughters to lean into things and you might not get it right. Um, but kindness is incredible, incredibly important. And if you can couple that with curiosity um, and be genuinely interested mm. in the people that you're collecting along the way. Yeah. Um, and people can read that. They mm. know whether, you know, you really are, are using them because you need them for to make yourself successful if you genuinely care about them. And, you know, offline you and I were having a, a conversation earlier about the people that you spot talent in. Yeah. And you and you take them under your wing, they will go out of their way to make sure that they're supporting you and all yeah. of that discretionary effort they will put in because they feel that it's a reciprocal relationship. Yeah. So I think one of the things I've always done is is shown an interest in people, who they are as humans and being genuinely curious about them and also being able to spot the strengths in them and then make sure that I'm marrying their strengths to the job that I'm asking them to do. Because if people are doing what they're good at and what they love doing, then it doesn't feel like hard work. Yeah, 100%. And I I know exactly what you're talking about because, you know, equally on my journey, I've always played to people's strengths and then helped plug their gaps because if you play to their strengths, they feel confident and enabled. And if you pick on their weaknesses, they they feel like they're not good enough and they actually step back and and don't perform. And I think that's something that organisations and corporate organisations don't focus enough on. But when you look at this kind of founder and entrepreneurial space that we're operating in now with Chief Metachicks, you know, people have got a passion for a business and they don't always have all of the elements to make that business succeed. But if you can 
wrap that, that capability around them, which is what we try and do in our coaching program, then they can flourish. And we're, we're seeing that time and time I've, again. And I've seen you do that. I've seen the panels that you run and it's brilliant because I think the traditional way of running businesses is to focus on the deficits. So in performance reviews or in development discussions, it's telling people what they need to evolve and grow and develop. If you flip that and you spend 90% of the conversation talking about what is it that you love to do and how do we get you doing more of that, there are other people that love to do the things that they're not good at and that's what Chief Medichix is doing. You're kind of pulling together the right coaches and the right skills and capabilities that can help support those people Mm. to deliver on their passion. And if they're doing what they love best, then they're going to best serve their customer and then the rest is going to be a huge success. Yeah, 100%. So eight years or almost eight years at zero and you've made that hairy audacious move to say, I think I've done my job here. What is next for Rachel Powell? That's a that's if I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> well, firstly, share with us why you know why why now um, and and what next. Um, <clears throat> look, I think I feel like I feel like I've been and I've been here and done what I was asked to do, mm. and I think that there is um, a new chapter about to emerge at zero. And I think, again, you know, that when that happens, like Steve has stepped aside as the CEO and we've got a new CEO that's come in, um, Sakinda, she's based in the Silicon Valley. She's been a CEO before. She's incredibly well networked in that part of the world, yeah. which there's still a lot of opportunity for Zero to grow in the Northern Hemisphere. And so, um, uh, you know, her and I get along really well and had a, a you know an adult conversation around what was next for me and how my portfolio had grown to be, so significant at zero and in the next chapter of zero was it still wise to keep all of customer together or should it be broken into various components of marketing and revenue and operations mm-hmm. and so that's essentially I think a sensible decision as you as you continue to grow but when you've taken on when you've had all of that yeah it's like well that's an, it's a natural exit for me then yes um and so yeah I want to make sure that I'm around to bed down and settle in the new you know chief marketing officer and the new chief revenue officer that we've hired in um that are coming from the northern hemisphere as well yeah. and then um and then i will um i'll get some clear air to think about what's next what's really interesting is i've never left a job to have another job to go to ever every right. job that i've ever left has come to a natural point where i felt that my job there was done or that I didn't have the same level of passion and commitment to the cause mm. for whatever reason, if I go back and look at the, the jobs that I've been at. But I'm an all-in kind of person. Yeah. So I couldn't start looking for something until I knew I was out. Yeah. And I suppose I've been fortunate that I can that, that I could do that, that I could, you know, take the time to think about what's next. I'm a big believer in fate and yeah. serendipity and... Um, yeah, I think that once I leave here at the end of October, I will, you know, be available to zero until the end of the year to help settle in um, the new executive team. But I'll start having conversations with people and um, whether I go into another company that was similar size that zero was, which was about $200 million in turnover when I started, we're mm-hmm. now, you know, about $1.5 billion. Um, and 
um, or whether I do more advisory work until the right operational role comes along. I don't yeah. know. I yeah. don't know. But I know that I'm at that point where I want to give back, which is why I love the work that you're doing. I think it's amazing and I'd love to see way more um, successful female entrepreneurs. And we do know that most small businesses are run by females. Yep. We do, we've done a lot of research on that. So, um, and then I'll just, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll continue to play on a global scale. Like I really have loved the complexity of what we're doing and taking a product that's not ubiquitous, like thinking about what different markets need, but because it's compliance-based, essentially accounting software, and then how we can add on to that to support small business operators so that they can do what they do best, which is serve their customers and run their business. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a huge advocate of zero. I've, I've been lost without it. I was interviewed for an article recently and they said, what are the the three tools or systems that you can't live without? And zero was top of my list, closely followed by Canva. And yeah. what was the third one? Oh, I'm trying to remember now. Um, if you're into wellbeing, it's probably some wellbeing app or something. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was definitely business focused. But, you know, they're my go-tos. You know, like I absolutely just would be lost without them. And for someone who, you know, obviously I've, I've run organisations before um, and I can run the finances, but I've never been, a, you know, done the bookkeeping and all that sort of stuff and it's just such seamless. You do. And it's just such seamless software and I love actually being across daily the financials of my business I think it's so important as a business owner that you have knowledge and you might not want to do all the inputs but you've got to be across it and just just the visibility and the reporting and the ease of use um you know I think back to my time of running a business oh gosh when was when was that back in 2010 ish I think 2000 maybe 2008 and I was using Myob with the CD-ROM oh, and yeah. oh my god it did my head in like I just felt like a fish out of water and I was so inefficient and I know obviously all software evolves and I'm sure it's much more efficient now but um yeah certainly uh, and particularly in zero. small businesses when you you know you're, you're starting something that's pretty incredible and it's going to scale so quickly you need to be focused on that and the most important thing from a financial perspective that you need to be across is cash. Yeah. Because if you if you aren't across your cash flow, cash flow is what you know kills businesses yeah. at the end. So even if your profit and all of that is looking good, if you can't pay the bills, then yeah. you'll be out of business like that. So That's right. I think that um, I'm really proud. One of our values here is beautiful, and we make not only the product beautiful, but the environment where people work beautiful. Yeah. We ensure that sure we <laughs> bring people, beautiful people, in to work here that are really passionate about supporting small businesses. So all of this is just three hundred and sixty holistic in terms of making yeah. sure that we are um, practicing what we preach. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, um, so you're going to take a bit of time out. Um, you'll explore what comes your way. Any thoughts about doing your own thing? Does that interest you or do you see yourself back in that kind of corporate space again? Um, or are you open to everything? I am, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've got some particular passions that I'm interested in, but I am open to different things. Um, one, of the, one of the other things that I'm um, starting to uh, assess. I'm not. I'm definitely not ready to do a portfolio career and yeah. sit on various boards. But I am curious about getting some more board experience. I've been so in zero mm. that to actually step out and work on a business, either at an advisory level or in a board, um, not as a full time career. I still want to be in an operational role, but I yeah. think I'm at that stage in my career where that would really complement whatever I choose to do. In terms of doing my own thing. Um, I love people. Yeah. So I, if I did 
go and start my own business, it would probably be in partnership with some with someone. Yeah. Because okay. I think that I work best when I'm bouncing off somebody else or a team of people. One of one of the things that I think that I'm good at is bringing the right team together. Mm. Like if I think about the the customer team, the customer leadership team that works here at Zero. They've been on the journey with me as long as I've been here. And we went last week to New Zealand. I hosted my last offsite with them ever. And we I took them over to Waikiki Island. We just had a blast. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like work when I'm with that team of people and everyone knows their strengths and everyone's playing to their strengths. But they're like siblings and we're yeah. like one family. And in the um, the dinner, when we had dinner and they said some lovely things because um, they knew it was the last time that I was going to be with them, that was the theme that came out was the fact that, you know, we've created and cultivated this sort of climate within the greater culture of zero of this customer leadership team. Then we all have this North Star that we're working yeah. towards, which is to support the customer and everyone knows their role to play. They know their role and they play their role. And we also operate on the philosophies, you know, they will tell you that I always say to them, team, I want you to be kind and curious and humble and hungry. Yeah. And if we're those things then there's nothing that collectively we can't achieve together. Yeah. What an amazing set of values. That's it's incredible. It's interesting. You touched on a few points there. I think that whole, you know, purpose of an organization and that North Star playing to people's strengths so that they're feeling empowered and motivated to do their jobs and, and valued, I think. Mm. I think some of those things are so, um, well, they're critical, whether it's a small business or a large business, that you play to people's strengths and that you give them that kind of direction and, and show them what good looks like but allow them to be a part of it. Um, some of those things often get lost in big organisations. How do you see what you've experienced in, you know, what was essentially a scale up, let's call it a scale up to, you know, world domination. <laughs> How can you translate some of those experiences into a corporate environment? And what do some of those bigger organisations need to do to really rally their troops? And what stands in the way? Well, the first thing I think stands in the way is that, um, you know, I often be um, asked by organisations that say, can you come in and teach us how you do innovation at zero? Or what's your advice for in, how companies innovate? You, ca you can't put innovation and failure um, in separate sentences. Like yeah. for, for companies to innovate, and what I find with bigger corporates is that they become more and more risk averse. Yes, yeah. Um, one of the things for anyone that's worked with founders that you know is that founders have experienced rejection yeah. so many times yeah. that they just keep going back for more. They keep going back for more. And eventually it's a numbers game. Like yeah. some ideas will come, will pay off and others won't. But the ones that pay off, pay off tenfold. Yeah. So I think that one of the things that is most important is for leaders in organisations to encourage innovation. And, you know, one of the things, you know, just tactically, that um, that I put in place here early on was performance goals and learning goals. Yeah, nice. And the performance goals were very much metrics driven on performance, but everyone also had a learning goal in my team. And that learning goal was just do it, do something different, try something different. There'll be no consequence for you not getting that right. Yeah. And it was always a very thoughtful discussion with the other person about what was it that they wanted to grow and evolve and learn. And it was like, okay, so what are we going to do to help you learn that? And you might stub your toe, you might trip up along the way, but you'll come out of that experience being a better professional because of that. Yeah. So I think that's really important. And I think that um, 
I really like the idea too, and I've seen some corporates do this, but not many, of moving people around. So taking them outside of their comfort zone, but looking at what they're good at Mm. and putting them in a role that complements their strengths but isn't an obvious choice to them. And when you think about customer and people, like, you know, we're all dealing with humans, right, whether you deal on the humans on the inside or the outside. Yeah, yeah. And I know that, you know, that happened at Qantas at one point too. They put the head of people into the head of customer role and yeah. just moving. Yeah, moving people around to broaden their experience. I think you need that in a big corporate because you're, you're a small cog in a large machine. And, you know, like my experience working with some large corporates like NAB, you know, in the marketing department, you, you cover this much or you do this much and then you go to a smaller organisation. You know, I had some time at Australian Super, which has grown astronomically, but when I landed there, there was 200 staff. Mm. you know and so you just touch more you do more and you learn more through that process and I think it's really so important for some of these larger corporates to expand the learning and the application of learning so you know if you're going to be a leader if you're going to progress to leadership how are you broadening your skill set and your terms of reference and you know there's, there's lots of ways of doing that. Cross-functional project teams is a really good way of doing that because you tap into different skill sets of others. More from Rachel in a minute. Recently, I had the pleasure of chatting with Karen Finch, the founder of Legally Yours. We spoke about the importance of legal protection and risk mitigation for founders and startups and the impact and disruption of generative AI on the legal profession. Here's a little snippet from the episode. But I also think something that's not being talked about as much as it should in the legal industry with Gen AI is the fact that their clients are using it. And what I'm really encouraging lawyers to do at the moment is to say, you should be talking to your clients now and asking them the question, how are you using Gen AI in your business or in your lives? How are you seeing, what problems are you seeing or what benefits are you seeing to it? But then asking the question, what does that mean for what you will require from me as a legal service? And and really then being able to understand what the value of the lawyer will be when clients are using these models. You can listen to that brilliant chat with Karen by going to chiefmetachicks.com slash podcasts or subscribing to the show. Okay, let's get back to our amazing guest, Rachel Powell of Zero. I also think um, recently I went to Stanford for six weeks and that was an incredible experience, like being out of the business and actually being with a cohort of people, very much tech and AI and and, um, digital focused in terms of the content that we were learning and also the cohort was a combination of entrepreneurs, private equity and execs. But I put somebody, which is what most people would do, and I I learned this while I was away and I thought, that's brilliant. But another tactical example, instead of bringing somebody that reported to me up to the executive team and operating in my seat whilst I was gone for six weeks, bringing a peer across to operate in my seat Ah, and taking somebody from that peer's team to step up into their role. Because in that way, the peer is actually sitting in a different part of the organisation, which yeah. builds empathy and mm. also understanding, but it also gives the person in that peer's team, so the chief technology officer came over and became the chief customer officer whilst I was away, the head of security might go up to the chief technology officer role and That's therefore they're, they've got, you know, the person that they need to seek counsel from whilst they're operating in this new exec role on the same team as them for that mm. six-week period of time, not 
away at Stanford. Yes. So I think thinking through how yes. you can encourage and get people to get skills and experiences is important. Yeah. Interesting. Love it. Um, interesting you sharing some of the best lessons that you've learned and they could obviously be failures. I mean, most of our learnings comes from when things go wrong. But what are some of the best lessons you've learned along your career journey? Um, lots. <laughs> still learning. Aren't still we all, learning. We're all a work in progress. All right. So in no particular order, let me think about this. Um, I don't know that this was a lesson, but this is really obvious to me, but I'm not sure it's as obvious to a lot of people, is that human capital is your greatest asset. So you're only going to be as good as your weakest link. So the investment you put in the people around you and the people that you bring on the journey when you're building something is as important as what you're building to take to market. Mm, yeah. um, and that's from an aptitude and an attitude perspective. Um, so you can't do enough to make sure that when you're corralling and, and collating and, and building your team, that it's a two-way discussion. They yeah. need to want to be part of it as much as you want them to be part of it. And mm. it's not like a master-servant relationship. It's like we are, yeah, we're, we're a family. Yeah. Um, so, and then you've got to continue to nurture that. Like, as you know, relationships are the most um, important element of life, really, you know, whether it's personal relationships or business relationships, every, every success starts with the foundation of trust, which is built on positive relationships. Interestingly, it's also the biggest contributor to individual well-being. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's number one. Number two, um, what I said about innovation, I think is really important. Like failing is, isn't, does not equal bad. Yeah. It's, it's how you, what you can learn from that and how you can grow and evolve. And for people from, you know, from this podcast and, and looking at, at Chief Metachicks as well to support them, don't think that the idea that you start with might be the one that's successful. You will it's evolve never, that. No. It never is. You know, it's so fascinating that you say that because, um, you know, so many of our members and, and, um, and those on the Pitch and Grow coaching program, you know, you come up with a business idea because you see a market need or you're passionate about something, then you go to market and it just, the market tells you where the appetite is for your business and you've got to have that agile mindset and be able to flex and move and, and move to go where the market is. And, you know, my first iteration of Chief Metachicks was an NFT project. You know, yeah. my pitch used to be... Um, you know, business mentoring and coaching meets Shark Tank in the metaverse. You know, that 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 was my business vision. You know, that yeah. was kind of what it was going to be. And then, you know, I looked at what was happening in the market and just took a step back and went, actually, women aren't ready for this yet. There's not enough women in the Web3 space. So actually, I need to launch this in a very Web2 way and just support women in business and then educate them on opportunities them. of Web3 and AI when it makes sense. And so that's an education journey now. It's not a, you know, we're going in the metaverse and we're going to run these amazing events and you can get access if you've got the NFT. You know, no, like no. that would have been an instant failure given the timing if that's what I went in with. So, yeah, that agility but is But I think so that key. that's the other thing that I would say has been a, a, a learning for me, like having always been curious and always studied and, and like gone out and and really found my own paths in terms of learning whatever it is that I'm interested about, not, not waiting to be asked to do it. 
sometimes that means that people like you and I can overcomplicate things. So one of the learnings is how you simplify for mm. the masses. Yeah. Um, I'm still not the master at it and I need to continue to practice that. And I think, you know, when you're talking to a, a boardroom or you're talking to investors or like don't think that you have to be incredibly complicated to sound like you, yeah. you know, got something masterful or yeah. super intelligent. Sometimes it's the simplest ideas that have um, a path for execution that are the most successful. Yeah. So that's probably a really key learning that I've learned as I've got older and wiser. Yeah, yeah. And I think also that idea of build it and they will come. Like it um, doesn't work like that. I mean, firstly, well, we know as marketers you've got to tell people about it before that they'll come. But I even look at, you know, when I – you know, Chief Medichick's world for me was going to be like three years and that was going to be in a metaverse environment and, you know, we were looking at how we were creating the gamification and the story around it and the narrative. And then um, I engaged, in fact, Michelle's coming up on our, our podcast in a couple of episodes, but with Michelle Schuberg, who um, is one of the co-founders and the CEO of Curious. And the Curious platform is the platform that we've built Chief Metachick's world on. And we've got all these amazing content and resources. And literally before I came here today, I was talking to um, Monica, who looks after um, customer success for me with my platform. And, you know, we're, we're talking about how we get our members in there more because there's so much rich content that can be really helpful, but, you know, it's not being utilised like it should be yet. So, you know, it's all part of that journey. You can't just build and go, okay, there it is, off you go. Yeah. You know, you've got to hold people's hand and guide them through. And, and for me, that's a constant learning in what we're doing. Those that are curious and hungry are straight in there. Um, and then there's some that are just too busy to get their head around it. And that's often the challenge, particularly with women in anything sort of tech and Web3, you've got to clear the headspace. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And, and and as the developer of all of that, you've got to know that that will mean you take two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. And just continue with tenacity on that path because the two steps forward, one step back, you will, you will get there eventually yeah. in terms of whatever it is that you're developing. So be prepared to sort of go backwards and forwards and there'll be days where you're frustrated because you're like, this is not going as fast as I thought it was going to go and yeah. why isn't this obvious to everyone else because it's so obvious to me and if only they invested some yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. But I think, um, and that's one of the things that I learned at Zero too is we had you know millions of customers across the globe and CX sat under me, and I remember Nigel, my head of CX, saying to me, "We've got the, you know, we've got this scalable CX platform. We don't need to scale our human resources that support our customers as fast as the customer base is supporting, because we're using um, machine learning and AI to predictively um, respond to customers' queries and mm. and issues as they've got them." And I said to him, well, that's only good if they can find it. And, yeah. you know, you've got to look at Zero Central, which is our support tool, as a product. And you've yeah. got to market it as a product. Yeah. Because if only people, like only a third of the customer base are finding it to answer their questions, and that's a huge success. What about the two-thirds that can't even find it? Yeah. So I think education, particularly as the world is moving so fast with digital technology and and all the evolutions of, of web and AI and chat GPT and everything that's coming down, um, don't assume people 
understand it and sometimes yeah. it moves faster than people can keep up so they don't want to ask the question so you have to assume they don't understand it really yeah. and then take them on that journey yeah well i mean you guys have done a, a fabulous job of you know tagging up all of your content in that hub so that it's surfaced from a google point of view anyway because you know that's often the go-to people are just so used to googling i think down the track they'll be chat gpting that may be the new version of google <laughs> oh yeah it already is yeah it already yeah. is so i think we're going to see um, you know, we're going into a decade probably yeah. of explosive developments yeah. in that space. Oh, and yeah. that's why what you're doing is just so important because if all of these female entrepreneurs can embed this into their business from the get-go, then they won't have to spend as much money on human interventions and human glue yeah. because the technology will do a lot of the scaling for them. That's right. And, and we're seeing that already. You know, we're running little training sessions on how to use AI in your business to fast track certain elements, to do some of your market research, to test concepts and, and things like that, to write your website. You yeah. know, like there's, you know, I mentioned it in the previous podcast, you know, one of my favourite tools at the moment is Mixo.io where you can literally just put in your business proposition and it'll create you a website, oh, wow. a search engine, <laughs> search engine optimised website. Now, it's not foolproof and it's not always um, compliant in terms of IP. Like it came up with an idea for my business, which was already an existing business. But, you know, super it's clever. a place to start, right? Correct. And, and you can and take that and evolve from there. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I was only showing that to my son the other day who's, you know, coming up with a business idea with one of his mates. And, and you know, we were talking about the website. And I said, well, look, okay, tell me, give me one line of what you're doing, plugged it in and out it popped. And I just scraped it and I said, look, here you go. Here's your place to start. You know, this is, this is your framework. And, you know, it's just such wow. AI can be such an incredible fast track resource, particularly for small businesses and, and business startups and scale ups. Mm. Um, another uh, question for you, you sort of um, touched on before your key learnings. You've gone from, you know, your role just evolving each time and stepping into new territories because you've seen an opportunity and you've had an amazing leader who's, you know, given you, gone, okay, cool, there's your next step, off you go. What didn't you know that you didn't know as you stepped into some of those roles and how did you plug those gaps and learn on the fly? Because I think so many women feel like they have to have everything. You know, we we don't apply for a job because we think, oh, I only tick seven out of the 10 things. And guys apply for a job if they see, if they tick three. Mm. You know, what, what have been some of the things that you weren't aware that you didn't know? And then how did you learn? Uh, there are still things I don't know on the job, I'm sure. Like, and I think my philosophy is to always make sure I'm plugging the gaps with people that are better at those yeah. elements that I don't know. So digital is a good one, for yeah. example. Like when I took on the sales side of the business, we had a lot of people here that were managing partners, our accountants and bookkeepers globally, yeah. um, that were effectively our sales channel. And then we had our digital shop front being zero, where people, small businesses could go and download zero directly. But we didn't have, we had bespoke people across the regions kind of looking at that and looking at, um, optimization and and tracking the results of that but we had no one focused on it yeah. so I brought in somebody that I knew would be able to actually get their arms around that and help me take the business to the next level in terms of how we looked at the whole buy flow and worked with product on ensuring that we were you know not um, 
you know, making it too complex for customers to digest all the plan SKUs and, you know, the, things like that. Mm. So that was something that was intuitively I knew we could have done better, but I didn't know the answer to how we could get there. But I knew we needed somebody focused on that that woke up every morning and that was going to be completely obsessed with making sure that our direct um, traffic and our direct revenue was increasing. So that's one example. I think that the... the, the um, the premise or the basic philosophy in what I do in those situations is not pretend yeah. that I do know. And yeah. I ask a lot of questions. And I think that the thing that I've learned as an executive is the further up the tree you go, you don't have to have all the answers. Correct. You just have to have the right questions to ask. Yeah. And you need to then make sure that your job is really to manage change. So you're a change agent as yeah. you become a more sophisticated executive because the world is constantly changing and it's like right now, this is why I've put together the, the customer journey scorecard that looks at everything from awareness all the way through to delighting customers at the CX end and trial and buy and everything in between. We can look at it end to end and go, which part of that of that customer journey do we need to focus on in which region? Mm. Where are we not getting it right? So you just need to, you know, if you've got the data, you need to be able to assess the data and then ask the right questions so that everyone knows yeah. where we need to dive in and, and all support to, to yeah. improve. Such brilliant advice. And again, just highlights what an amazing leader you are because, you know, I, I know we've all experienced those people that want to feel like they know everything, but you drown if you have to do everything. So, you know, your role as a leader is to hire people that are smarter than you, that that are subject matter experts that can deliver and not be afraid of that. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of leaders, um, I won't make it gender bias, but a lot of leaders are afraid of, being shown up and 100%. that's not your role as a leader your role as a leader is to lead not do and your role as a leader is to know in fact this came out at the, at the dinner that I was talking about with the team last week one of um, the leaders in my team actually said to me you know exactly when to lean in and lean out mm -hmm. because I think the other thing is if you're trying to control everything as a senior leader you are disempowering everyone else around yeah. you so you do need to, to sort of roll up your sleeves and know when to kind of re lean right in because something's going off the rails. Yeah. But you also equally need to know that, say, you know, and give people the confidence, say, you've got this. Yeah. You know, I'm here if you need me, but I I believe in you. You've got yeah. this. And I think that agency, that word agency is really important. I think as a leader, if you can cultivate agency across the organisation, you can scale the organisation so much faster than if you're trying to be the star player yourself. Yeah, yeah 100%. So good. Thank you. Um, what advice do you have for women sort of, you know, aspiring to leadership or aspiring to run their own business? What What are some of the key things that you would, uh, you know, share as insights? What I said before about keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't articulate what you want to do to an investor or a potential employee, um, then it's going to be very difficult for you to be successful. Um, number two, um, give it a go, mm. but know that, that you might need to pivot or alter your strategy. So go in with a very growth mindset. So give it a go. And the other thing that I would say, particularly to females, is trust your intuition. We have the most incredible intuition as women. Mm. I'm so grateful to yeah. be a, a woman. And um, I say this to my daughters all the time. Inevitably, we know in ourselves 
what the right thing to do or where we can see an opportunity and we can feel an opportunity to trust your intuition. And particularly for entrepreneurs, you're going to get told along the way that it's wrong or you shouldn't do it that way or you should do it that way. But if you go and talk to a lot of the successful, you know, like the CEO of Canva, you know, all of these women, I've heard them interviewed before, they'll say they just had this innate sense that the path they were on was right. So do trust your intuition um, and just seek the seek the support of the right people that can help sort of get you thinking um, in different in different paradigms. But you know, stick the path of the course, and you might need to evolve and iterate. But you know, go with what your your gut instinct says is right. Yep, love it. And you've just reminded me. You asked me before what was the third one. I cannot believe I didn't say it. When you know, which were the three uh, things that I couldn't live without? I mean, Chat GPT. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> How could I have even forgotten that? Um, so you're taking some time off. We've had a chat. You're just going to sort of assess the landscape. What would excite you the most? If, if someone put a job in front of you tomorrow, what would it be? What would be the job description? You don't have to say the organisation. It would be um, It would be something that is using technology to improve the well-being of populations of people in the world. Now, what that population is in that segment is to be determined. Yeah. But I think that I'm not just talking about, um, like if you think about zero, we've improved the lives of small business operators by making them more efficient and more effective using technology. You can take that sentence and put it into various different segments. And so my dream job would be to go into a growth business that was um, embryonic but had global scale ambitions using combination of technology and humans that was going to do good in the world. Amazing. Love it. You heard it here first. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been an absolute pleasure and joy to have you on the Chief Medichicks podcast. Um, we look forward to touching base again soon. I look forward to hearing all the successful stories of all of your Chief Medichicks that you bring on the journey. Thanks for having me, Nikki. Thank you. Well, there we have it. Our seventh Chief Medichicks episode. Key takeouts are human capital is your greatest asset, nurture these relationships. Failure doesn't equal bad. We need failures and setbacks in order to learn and grow. The startup scale-up space is often two steps forward and one step back. So you just have to be agile and stay the course. We'd also love you to rate the episode and podcast on iTunes or your favourite platform. It really does help with rankings and getting our messages and learnings out to as many people as possible. If you'd like to get your wings on too, then you can join at chiefmetachicks.com. And if you're interested in applying for our Pitch and Grow coaching program with our Chief Metachicks leaders, then please reach out at info at chiefmetachicks.com.